Could more innings make Trevor Bauer an ace? And is it wrong to be over yonder? Alonzo, that is. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have but, not had uh, three co-brews uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Thursday, July 9th. I'm Al Melchior, and I am here with Michael Beller. And uh, we've got all kinds of rotation news today, Michael. Uh, let's start with the uh, athletic situation. This was actually uh, a development that was reported when we were right in the middle of recording our show for uh, for Wednesday. So this is not exactly um, you know breaking news, but something we haven't discussed yet. And that is the positive uh, coronavirus test for Jesus Lazardo. So uh, unfortunately, he is added to the list of um, the many positive tests that we've seen reported so far. Uh, the reports I have seen indicate that he is um, asymptomatic and, and feeling pretty well, uh, and he hopes to to not miss any time during the uh, the 60 game season. Uh, let's go to another situation um, involving someone who has tested positive for uh, coronavirus. And that's um, of course, Braves first baseman, Freddie Freeman. And there was a report from the athletics, David O'Brien, that uh, two candidates to uh, fill in at first base, Yonder Alonso and Peter O'Brien uh, have been taking grounders and that they've been the only ones taking grounders, or maybe it was just on the particular day that this was reported. That wasn't really clear to me, Michael, but uh, they both did play in the um, inter-squad game, one on each side. uh, And we saw a lot of uh, inter-squad games taking place on Wednesday. Uh, But, you know, it seems like that could be maybe a platoon that uh, takes care of uh, first base for the Braves for the, uh, for the foreseeable future. And as I mentioned to you before, we, we actually started recording here. This wouldn't necessarily have made the cut in terms of things to talk about on the show, but I went and looked at Yonder Alonso's stats from from 2019, which overall were were very disappointing, but he did finish the season with the Rockies. And I looked at his home road splits, and one side of those splits indicated he went 15 for 44 for a 341 average with three homers and six doubles in those 44 at-bats. And that was not a course field. <laughs> That was on the road. He actually hit really poorly at Coors Field. Um, But, you know, that gives me some hope, actually. I don't know what to make of it. It's a small sample. It's the reverse of what you'd expect. But, you know, maybe maybe there's still something there with Yonder Alonso. This is the perfect, Al. Maybe not even what you meant to do, but the perfect way to illustrate just how crazy this 60-game season is going to be. Right, Because Yonder Alonso, who had a terrible year last year, ends the year with the Rockies and basically hits uh, for a 44 AB. So we're talking about 10 games or so, like he's Mike Trout on the road away from Coors Field. I mean, that just perfectly sums up the sort of craziness and the sort of unpredictability that we are going to see over the 60-game window that we just happen to be calling the 2020 Major League Baseball season. He maybe gets a little bit more value from the fact that there could be uh, a few more ABs in his immediate future when the season begins as the Braves uh, are waiting for Freddie Freeman to be able to play. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I'm not really changing the way that I think about Yonder Alonso coming into this season. Yeah, it's, you know, it's just, uh, it, it, they're just interesting splits. I think you put them in the proper perspective. And no, that wasn't my intention to make that a reflection or a microcosm of, um, 
of, of 2020, but point is well taken. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we could expect all kinds of craziness and, and variance uh, this year. So, uh, you know, I think that's the right perspective to, to look at those splits with. Um, something I think that we could maybe take a little more seriously in terms of planning for our, uh, our fantasy teams. A couple of, of items of news coming from the Reds camp, both in, re- both in relation to the rotation. So first of all, uh, the Athletics' own uh, C. Trent Rosecrans has reported that the Reds have already, Reds have already set their rotation. Uh, Sonny Gray is going to pitch on opening day, followed by Luis Castillo, then Trevor Bauer, Wade Miley, and Anthony Desclafani. But hold on here because there's another report here that that really sort of alters how you might view that. Uh, the Reds pitching coach, Derek Johnson says he is considering with um, you know, some pressure, perhaps coming from the pitcher himself, considering starting Trevor Bauer every fourth day that was reported by Bobby Nightingale, the Cincinnati inquirer. And that obviously is a huge game changer. If that happens uh, for one thing, Miley and Desclafani that uh, would most likely take some starts away from them. Mm-hmm. But boy, Bauer may potentially making as many as 15 starts this year in a fifth, in a 60 game season. Uh, that that could be a real separator, uh, but I mean, do you think that he he's his qual his ratios are high quality enough to elevate him from that kind of SP two SP three fringe where he's being drafted uh, so far? Yeah, if this is something that the Reds commit to uh, before the end of you know what what is now draft season two I think you have to bump Bauer up and you know maybe you're not going to have that luxury first of all maybe the Reds don't commit to it period secondly maybe your draft is going to be tomorrow or you know, July uh, 20th and they're not going to say anything about this till July 22nd or something uh, but even if you don't have that clarity I think it's enough to bump him up we're talking about a group of pitchers that Bauer has been in since our original draft season back in February and March that was only going to be separated by a, a you know, minuscule margin and you know one good start or one terrible start for any of them could have moved them from SP20 to SP27 or the other direction. Uh, so now if you're going to really get that many more starts of Bauer or you maybe even just have the chance that you're going to get that many more starts of Bauer, three more starts of Trevor Bauer versus Brandon Woodruff just to pull out another guy who is in that same group. I don't see any way you possibly take Brandon Woodruff. Uh, if you get that sort of volume in this season from a guy who is a high strikeout pitcher to begin with, I think you have to bump him up a bunch of spots. So unless the Reds immediately backtrack on this in the next couple of days, I am definitely going to be moving Trevor Bauer up my draft boards. He could be a real separator in that group of pitchers uh, that people who are leaning on their wisdom from February and March just aren't going to make you pay for. So, all right, you say a bunch of spots. That to me doesn't sound like you're drafting him in the top 12 or even necessarily the top 15. So yeah. even though he could pitch, you know, by far more innings than anybody else, uh, I'm, I'm what I'm hearing, or maybe I'm just projecting that you, you're <laughs> still not really seeing him as an ace. Uh, not an ace. Let me, uh, I've got, uh, I've got a, a list of pitchers pulled up for uh, the next thing we're going to talk about, but let me, uh, let me fine tune this just a little bit to uh, see what we're talking about exactly here. Um, you know, yeah, like, so right now you've got sitting in that back end of the uh, SP1 rankings if we're defining the top 12 starters as SP1. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, 10. Luis Castillo, 11. Blake Snell, 12. Patrick Corbin, 13. Lucas Giolito, 14. Charlie Morton, 15. Hugh Darvish, 16. I would have trouble taking him over any of those guys because I think you have good 
expectation to believe in those guys' ratios more than Bauer, and maybe the fact that they'll only make, say, 12 starts compared with Bauer's 15 could make their ratio gap even bigger. But then uh, I think you do have to, that's where you have to start thinking about him. Like, and I would maybe even take him over someone like Blake Snell, but that's a, that's a matter of personal taste and not necessarily uh, a you know, lock-it-up, be-all, end-all. I think that Kershaw is still clearly better. His teammate Castillo, clearly better. Patrick Corbin, yeah, maybe I could see it, but I would probably lean toward Corbin. Morton, I would rather have. Lucas Giolito, I would rather have. you. Darvish, I would rather have. But again, those are matters of taste, not necessarily the for-sure thing. And I do think that if you thought 15 starts of Bauer was better than... 12 starts of Luis Castillo. I don't believe it, but I could see the argument for it. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, yeah, that's the thing is I, I I look at the potential difference in innings and think that could be huge. And that I look at those pitchers that you rattled off um, that are just ahead of him in ADP. And I, I have a hard time making the change. So I, yeah, I think that's a very, um, uh, you know, subjective call there. Um, you know, when you're in that kind of 15 to 20 range uh, in terms of where you would place Trevor Bauer. I also just really quick want to talk a, a little bit more about the, the Reds rotation because I looked to see where each of the Reds starters were being taken and Wade Miley. I'm, I wasn't surprised to see him ranked behind um, Desclafani in ADP, but um, and in fact, he is ranked ahead of Tyler Maley in terms of ADP, but he is ranked well behind Maley in terms of um, expert consensus ranking ranking. So we as a community don't like Wayne Miley very much, much less than <laughs> I guess the average drafter does. And, you know, I guess mm-hmm. I'm I'm a Miley, maybe too strong to say I'm a Miley stan, but uh, <laughs> I think he deserves a little bit more love from our community. Um, from the second half with the Astros in 2018, right through August of last year, he had a miserable, miserable September. I think we probably all remember that. But for that more than one year, covering 230 and a third innings for Miley, he had a 293 ERA, a 122 whip. Uh, he did have a 411 FIP, but I think that the 266 BABIP that brought the the ERA and the whip down, I think that's that was fairly legit for Miley. He's a good contact manager. Um, maybe he's not a, a three ERA guy, but uh, you know I think mid to upper threes is is probably a, a realistic expectation, given that more than a year uh, track record that he put together. You know and you know, very recently. Uh, so I know what, what's your, your thinking about uh, Wade Miley for 2020? Yeah, I think you take the things that you just said and you couple that with the fact that he's locked into this rotation already a couple weeks before the season starts and you got to give him a, a little bit of credit for that. I mean, we can't just uh, still stay you know rooted to what we believed a couple of months ago and Tyler Molly was getting, you know, quite a bit of love. Uh, our own Derek Van Riper uh, is a big uh, Tyler Molly guy and I think he could still be very valuable as a uh, reliever, a guy who maybe piggybacks a, a little bit and throws some high leverage innings for this team, but you know, we got to take the team at face value with what they're saying and if they believe that Wade Miley is a better option for their rotation, uh, that's enough to be the tiebreaker, and that's enough to make him someone who becomes a little bit more interesting uh, as we get set to make some more fantasy baseball picks in the next coming weeks. Yeah. So with that rotation set, it appears that roles are not malleable. Oh, I wish we could end the episode there, but we have something else to talk about. But that was I <laughs> we mean, will. That's a great we, sign off. We we will quickly move on. <laughs> talk about some some bullpens uh, here. So another news item from the past twenty four hours or so. There's a report from the Athletics' Mark Saxon uh, saying that Ryan Helsley 
is the top candidate to close for the Cardinals. Uh, we do need to um, follow up on the reports on uh, Giovanni Gallegos because the last time we talked about him, there was a report from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch saying he tested positive for coronavirus. That turns out not to be the case, but he's still not reported. Um, so he may be in the picture. He may not. Uh, Carlos Martinez, his role may be malleable. Uh, but Ryan Helsley, he was, you know, one that was mentioned as um, somebody who could who could be who could be closing for the uh, the Cardinals. I just I you know, I know he's got great stuff, but he hasn't been a strikeout guy. Mm-hmm. And I just I think there's so much uncertainty there. That's a situation I am probably just going to want to avoid. Um what is your feeling about that situation? And is there another situation out there that you think we should maybe be staying away from? Yeah. Um, I, the reason why I'm going to stay away from both of these is the same. It is on much different scales though. And it's a little bit different, even though the root is the same. And that is that there's going to be, I think a lot of mixing and matching in the St. Louis bullpen. Uh, is Helsley the, the favorite? Sure. We got to take Mike Schilt at his word and believe that that's the case right now. So Helsley's the favorite, but Carlos Martinez can close. Giovanni Gallegos, he can close. Andrew Miller certainly can close, especially uh, if there's, you know, a couple of lefties due up in the ninth inning. And even if there isn't, I mean, he's not the Andrew Miller of a couple of years ago when he was lights out for the Indians, but still an effective pitcher. I mean, you know, John Gant had himself a great season for this team last year, and I think they still prefer him in more of a long relief or bulk reliever role, but uh, still a guy who uh, can throw some high leverage innings for them. So I think this is going to be a very mix-and-match bullpen. Mark uh, Saxon actually talked about that both in a roundtable column that we did for the National League Central and a roundtable podcast that we did on our uh, WARP in Cincinnati and onto Waveland, uh, our Cubs podcast on those two shows. Uh, and that this is just going to be a not only a bullpen, but an entire pitching staff that is very flexible, that is very deep. And so I could see the Cardinals not committing to one guy and using a committee approach all season. Another team that I could see doing that is the New York Yankees. And because of Aroldis Chapman's price and that fact, I am staying away from him. I tend to stay away from high-priced closers to begin with. Um, And Aroldis Chapman, clearly the best closer, the best reliever in this bullpen, and going to be the guy who gets the bulk of the save opportunities for sure. But look, Zach Britton, Adam Adovino, Tommy Canley, Chad Green, all those guys have the stuff to be able to close. And this is a team that in 162 or 60 expects to be competing for a World Series this year. So with a weird ramp-up period for pitchers, with a sprint of a two-month season, and then with a playoff uh, set to come, assuming that the Yankees are able to qualify for the playoffs this year, you want a healthy, full-strength, ready-to-go Aroldis Chapman in October. And I could see them taking it a little bit easy on him, given the unconventional lead-up to this season, especially when they have all those options uh, available to them. And then you throw on top of that the fact that uh, looking at his ADP, and this is just since June 26th, so just since we had an idea uh, not only that there was going to be a season, but of what this season was going to be, here are some players who he is going ahead of. Uh, Anthony Rizzo, Jose Abreu. I mean, these are some big-name hitters that we're seeing uh, Aroldis Chapman going ahead of being selected as the number 70 player off the board in a typical draft. So it's just a really hard spot for me to get on board with him uh, when you have so many other guys 
who are going to be very valuable players. Uh, other guys in that range, Paul Goldschmidt, Victor Robles, Eugenio Suarez, Tommy Pham, those are a lot of great hitters who you have to pass on to get a Roldis Chapman on your team. And I'm just not sure that the innings are going to be there for him and the saves are going to be here for be there for him in a way that you need them to be if he is going to be someone that you invest that sort of pick in. So I'm going to be staying away from uh, that Yankees bullpen situation this year. Well, you, you told me you're going to talk about a, a situation I was going to be surprised and, and uh, yeah, my jaw dropped. It's <laughs> a <laughs> bold call, but I, I understand the logic and I, I, I you know, I, I definitely see your point there uh, in regard to that bullpen. Uh, but enough reliever talk. Let's talk about starting pitcher rankings. They are out. It's like Steve Martin and the jerk. You know, the, the pitcher rankings are here. The pitcher <laughs> rankings are here. Uh, you know, better than the phone book. Uh, so Eno's uh, rankings are now up and live on the athletic fantasy starting pitcher rankings for the shortened 2020 MLB season by Eno Saris. Check them out. It's good, good fun. So uh, on that note, we're going to wrap things up here on Fantasy Baseball in 15. For Michael Beller, I'm Al Melkier. We will return here on Friday. Mm-hmm.